Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopwell, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. Usually Alan Medlock with me, but you you know the drill by now if you've been listening. Alan's got other things on his plate this time of year. And so uh, joining me tonight is Jason Hill from Viva Alberto's. Um, you'll find him at JP Hill underscore cards on Twitter. Um, Jason, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Daniel. How are you doing, man? Doing fine. Doing fine. Uh, you know, starting to look forward to the warmer weather that brings spring training with it after I think all of most of us in the Cardinal area have dealt with winter weather this week. Um, yeah. And it is, there is something about that, right? I mean, what is it? Next week, they send the truck down to Florida. You know, two weeks from yeah. now, things are being, you know, we're going to see pictures and catchers reporting, especially since... Uh, maybe a little bit early because of, of world baseball classic. Um, just see, just those kind of things, knowing those are right around the corner that it gives a little bit of warmth anyway, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, with the report day, which nothing happens on report day, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's nothing magical about it. It's not like they play a game or televise anything, but report day has always been uh, kind of an interesting day uh, to me. I, I remember back when I was in grad school, this was a years and years ago. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was in Tulsa is where I lived at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sitting in our apartment uh, looking out the window there was an ice storm coming down and I was listening um, to the broadcast of probably like one of the first or second spring training games. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, late February, early March. And so that just, that, that juxtaposition of ice and snow and listening to baseball, it's always stuck out to me that there's something about spring, uh, spring training, spring baseball, even when it's cold and icy, like it is here where we are, uh, that warms the heart. Yes. Yes. And it, <laughs> and it gives you that a little bit of escape. And you're right. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, you know, these days, it, and, you know, back 10 years ago, we probably didn't have this as much, well, or 12, you know, the writers are all down there. It's very yeah. easy to put up video and pictures on Twitter or websites or things like that. And it almost feels a little bit like you're there. Um, yeah. And that, that helps a lot. You're right. I mean, if you've got snow sitting outside your front front door uh, to be able to just kind of put your back to that and pretend like you're in Florida for a little while is, is a nice thing. And you know, that just means that there are warmer days coming for everybody else right. as well. And and that early spring it's it kind of matters. I think maybe we kind of learned that last year when, Oh, Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty, you know, showed up to, to spring training and then within a few days a few weeks at most 
you know, everything that we knew about the pitching staff had changed. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's not, you know, Adam Wainwright was like that, you know, in 2011, you know, yeah, the, you right. know, like first, you know, two days in or something. And Reyes is, <laughs> seems like almost every year as a rite of passage in spring training for Alex Reyes. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, unfortunately. Un- unfortunately. Um, but you're right. I mean, because I, I, I was sitting here and we'll get to it in a little bit. We'll talk about the roster and stuff like that. But I was sitting here looking at this roster and thinking, okay, well, you know, you might have this or you might have that, but this thing is pretty much set. And I think we go into that oh, yeah. every spring, but yeah, then something happens, some twist comes along, somebody goes down lame and all of a sudden everything gets opened back up. Yeah. No, no matter how many articles I read about payroll or here in a few weeks, how many articles I write about the depth chart, it's, it's going to change. It's going to yeah. be different. Something we, something we don't expect sometimes in a good way. Um, will we'll like, you know, Andre Palante last year, just to mm-hmm. use an example, um, that can happen. And then it does seem, and I hate to even bring it up. I, I should someone knock on wood here. I don't have any wood here to knock on, but, um, you know, inevitably there's that, there's that critical injury that changes everything there in early spring and the club is left scrambling with nothing to scramble to. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, even and, and there's in the middle of that too, right? There's a, there's a guy that's okay. He's not ready for the first two weeks. He's going to be, but it is, it's not like a a long-term thing, but sometimes that two weeks, you know, gives you a chance to see a guy that then takes hold of that. I mean, you know, the Albert Pujols, 2001. Yeah. That kind of thing. And we've seen it a couple other times. Now we've also seen the other side of that. And we saw that, you know, a lot more, probably a lot more often um, with like Aaron Brooks last year, right? He has a great spring and the injuries to Flaherty and Reyes and people like that kind of open up a spot and the Cardinals put him on the roster and he's gone by May. You know I mean? It just, Did he have a great spring though? <sighs> well, I mean, in, <laughs> for as much as you can in what, uh, six innings or whatever. Right. Um, exactly. Exactly. You know, I remember it, talking to Jeff Jones uh, <laughs> sometime right before uh, camp broke. And I was like, Hey, you know, any, any thoughts? I'm about to do a, like probably another depth chart article. I'm like, Hey, what do you think about, this and this, he's like, yeah, you're gonna have to put Aaron Brooks on that. I'm like, really? <laughs> do I do I have to? He's like, yeah, you you have to, man, because he's gonna make it. So, but, yeah, uh, uh, you know, it, it feels to me. I, I wonder. I wonder if I can look. Oh, we can. Good. Look at that. I was thinking that. Yeah, he just just to talk about Aaron Brooks because why not? Um, why not? You know, he pitched in four games last spring. He yeah. pitched a total of seven and a third innings. Um. And he struck out 10. I think that was the thing right there. Right. I mean, but yeah. there was, there was a game, you know, three innings, two runs, uh, two innings, one run. It wasn't overwhelming in some of the things. I think the strikeouts is what people got excited about last year. And that just didn't quite, that wasn't quite enough. I, <laughs> when he no. got him on the major league roster, especially, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know when he pitched, but often it's guys like Brooks that are coming in after the main starters. Right. Now that might be a little different this year with the WBC, but um, you know, striking out a bunch of double A guys is not that impressive. L- allowing runs to double A guys, particularly, not that impressive. So, you know, I mean, it happens. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, he did pitch, like I said, three inning stint. You're probably seeing somebody good. Um, yeah, in that. But you're right that that is spring training because, and and we do this every year with somebody that we get excited about a guy. John Mikowski, Aaron Brooks, somebody like that, that is yeah. having an amazing spring. We try not to get excited, but 
oh, it's a little hard not to. But then you look at it and it's like, look, you know, it's 10 innings. It's 50 at bats. It's yeah. like, you know, again, what's the quality they're facing? It's, it's, we try to extrapolate that. And I think that and maybe we could just talk about this now, you know, with the WBC out this year, there are going to be more opportunities. We're going to see a lot yeah. of Jordan Walker. And we, we know what Jordan Walker's talent level is, but even if he hits, you know, 350 in spring, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I don't, I feel like there are going to be some people that are going to be upset when he goes down, even if he has a spring like that, but it's probably still the best thing. Yeah. And I think, I think let's, let's just walk all the way back to that Pujols, mm-hmm. you know, analogy that you used. Now, just, I want to clarify this just because of what was on Twitter today. And I'm not in any way suggesting that Pujols and Jordan Walker are the same. You know, right. Right. I am not going to say right now today with no at bats above triple A or double A, excuse me, hasn't even had an at bat triple A yet, mm-hmm. that Walker is one of the top five baseball players of all time. All right. We're not saying that. <laughs> right. But if you think about it back then, you know, Pujols was competing with a really old and not very productive anymore. Bobby Bonilla, you know, I mean, there there was some death on that club, but it, right. it, it he had a path. It, it made sense. And with Walker. I mean, yeah, we might sit here and say, oh, it'd be awesome if Walker made the club. But if Walker makes the club. It's probably because someone that the Cardinals are counting on, Lars Newtberry, Newtberry, where did that come from? <laughs> He's related to Blake now, is he? Yeah, Blake, that's just, we're talking about Blake a minute ago. Hi, Blake, you're probably not listening, but hello. Uh, yeah, Lars the Newtbar, um, Dylan Carlson, or Tyler O'Neill, those are kind of core offensive players on this team, defensive players on this team. It's because one of those players is probably hurt or out or something has gone wrong with them to put Walker into that position. And as good as Walker might be, I I think Walker's going to be, you know, an excellent player. The chances of him coming in this year, again, no at bats above double a, a good showing in the, in the, in the fall league, no Mm. doubt about it, but the chances of him outperforming what we've already seen from any of those guys is, not great, you know. I mean, those right. are they're pretty good players. Dylan Carlson wasn't the same prospect level that Jordan Walker is now, but he wasn't that far behind, you know. Mm-hmm. So the Cardinals are going to be at their best if they get production from all of those players over the course of 162 games. And you really kind of hope that the situation falls itself out that Walker shows himself well and hits well at AAA and can't quite get on the roster because everyone else is scorching the ball. Yeah. And and there's also going to be this, I mean, again, there are options on pretty much all those guys. Um, Yeah. I think maybe even, let me see if I can pull this up real quick because I've got got them over here, but I think maybe even Tyler O'Neill has an option still left. I think maybe he might. He has has one option left. Yeah. So, it's you hard know, to burn through all those options, though. To be honest, it just really is. There's a well, especially when you, if you send them, what's it, if you send them down and bring them back up within two weeks, the option doesn't count. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, usually it's the injured list that that does that anyway. So right, you right, know, yeah. Um, but these guys, I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals know what they can do at AAA, and yeah. even if Dylan Carlson struggles in spring, 
I still think they take him north because they've got to figure it right. He's got to figure this out. It doesn't really necessarily do him a lot of good to start in, in Memphis. No. Um, and so I, yeah, I just, I mean, there, I'm not saying there's not a path for Jordan Walker, Yeah, but it's, it's threading the needle. Um, it is. To make this. I actually wonder if maybe his competition really isn't any of those three, because I mean, like you, you mentioned Carlson, Carl's probably the, the weakest, well, I would, I could, we could get into the weeds on that, mm-hmm. but let's just say for the sake of argument, Carlson's probably the least expected of him offensively right now, yeah. but then yeah. also the most is expected of him defensively. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Walker <laughs> has very little time in the outfield. So right. there's, the, I actually wonder if his main competition, um, and his path is probably more along the lines of Juan Yepes and and Alec Burleson. Like mm. if one or, or two of those guys struggle or or have problems or run into issues, that might be a way for him to sneak in, steal some at bats in the outfield, but also maybe, you know, seeing some time at DH and in other positions. Yeah, that's probably more likely um where he could get a little bit of that. Again though, with and, and again it's it's Yepes and Burleson who destroyed Memphis last year. Right. Um, yeah. You know, right. what, you, what, what good does it do you to send him down? Whereas again, Walker hasn't even played at triple. Yeah. And you know, actually go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, no one wants to talk about it. And, and I, I hesitate to, to even bring it up, but you know what Walker's best path to the major leagues probably is, is an injury to either Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt. And obviously no yeah. one, you know, yeah. no one wants to see, wants to see that. But I mean, that considering the outfield depth and, and other things, it's going to take an injury probably for him to get on. And, you know, really any of those players, if we we're to lose any of those players, except for maybe Yepes or maybe, maybe Burleson, although I've got really high hopes on Burleson this year, you just don't really want to see it happen, which means you probably don't really want to see Jordan Walker on the major league roster, unless they decided to expand rosters and add another position to the field. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, that is the case. You just don't want to, you don't want to see him there. I mean, to some degree, yeah. I hate to say it sounds yeah. like bad because we do want to see him. You do. Yeah. We really want to see him and we don't want to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just have, and, and again, we, we, as you mentioned a little bit today, just today we've talked about the expectations people have for him coming up. Yeah. And, you know, if he comes up and struggles, what, you know, I'd rather him come up and be ready to come up than try to learn it on the fly. Right. Yeah, I think so. And I think even, even then, like the whole idea of readiness with these guys is a little hard to wrap your, your mind around because Dylan Carlson, was he ready? You know, yeah, we thought so at the time, kind of, but you know, then he really struggled in 2020. It was an odd year. I hate to even kind of, you know, pin that on him. And then 2022, he was, I thought pretty good. And then, and then this last year or 2021, pretty good. And then this last year, just, you know, two fairly significant injuries that uh, left him in the lineup, but sapped basically everything that he was capable of producing. 
So you've got that. Carlson's still young. Newt Bar, we, we're also excited about Newt Bar. I mean, has anyone looked at how old Lars Newt Bar is lately? You know? Yeah. 20, 25 years old. Yeah. yeah, Newt Bar's finally ready to break out at age 25. That's, you know, uh, I'm going to just look here because I want to get the exact number for us. Jordan Walker is 20 years old, 8 months, and 12 days. So he has four years and four months, <laughs> you know, to catch up with the experience level that Lars Newtbar has. And mm-hmm. we're basically thinking of Newtbar as a glorified rookie. You know, I don't think he right. still qualifies, but he certainly doesn't have that many at-bats in the majors. So, you know, expectations for a player that young, they just have to be, they have to be tempered. Right. Even if he's ready, he's not ready to face every little thing that major league pitchers and major league pitching coaches are going to figure out about him and throw at uh, throw at him because he can't do that until they've done that. And it's going to take him a season or two for all of those things to kind of work their way out, you know, in, in different oppositions and different coaches and different teams to where he's seen it all and he knows it all and he knows what to do with it all. Yeah. And uh, again, it is, it is where you want him to come up and stay up. And the Cardinals have a lot of people in front of him that we got to try to figure out what, what they have in them. Yeah. Um, So that's going to be, you know, and we talk about spring training as this kind of a sorting out time period, but um, there's also the early part of the season. I mean, the Cardinals have kind of proven that they're not necessarily, uh, you know, (laughs) looking for, putting the, the, the pedal down um, <laughs> at the beginning, right? I mean, otherwise they yeah. do a little bit more in the off season. Um, so they got to figure that the, they'll use that time to kind of see what they have. And, you know, again, hopefully Jordan Walker goes down to Memphis and he hits, you know, a, a ton. And when he comes up in June or July, then he's good to go. Yeah. We've been talking the last couple of years, and we might have mentioned this the last time that I was on, you know, probably about a year ago or whenever that was that I'm starting to think of the major league season and the way the Cardinals operate in terms of thirds. Mm. And so it's almost like they go into that first third saying, okay, who do we got? You know, this is who's here. Let's figure out who we have based on what we have here. And so if you just, if you just pull out a couple names from last year, that would be your Aaron Brooks and your Drew Verhagen's and some, some guys like that. Now, Polante kind of, you know, worked his way into that mix, but there was no Nolan Gorman. I'm not sure whether Brendan Donovan was up then. I think he might've been up. He came up after he was only down for like a week or two, I think. Before. Yeah. Pretty early, but yeah. he wasn't starting. He, you know, he, he was pushing things a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was really that speaking of really that second third, right? That second third of that season, maybe after the first two months, I thought they accelerated the timeline a little bit last year year so the math doesn't work out but somewhere about mid-may or so brendan donovan started seeing some real time mm-hmm. um nolan gorman came up you know the young kind of got shifted to the side uh, a little bit accelerated timeline from what i might have expected but but then they 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 had from that time period basically all the way to the tread trade deadline to say okay this is who we actually have and who we need to use and then of course that last bit was now what holes do we need to fill right. so yeah. three thirds of the season. And I think you definitely could see that, you know, this, this next year where they're, they, they didn't make any moves 
on the rotation. They brought in a catcher. They didn't do anything else, nothing else, except for some, you know, minor, you know, bullpen guys who might or might not even break, you know, camp with the, with the club. Uh, they're going to see who they have, and then they're going to make some adjustments with their minor league staff, and then they're going to go out and get what they need. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully they'll be able to do that, um, which is always the, the kicker about trying to save your needs for the trade deadline is you've yeah. got to be able to find somebody that's willing to give you that <laughs> that need. Yeah. Um, right. So, and that's a, you know, again, that's a discussion we've had, and most of us have had um, quite a number of times. You mentioned Paul DeYoung uh, just in passing there. We've heard a lot as we continue to talk about the roster a little bit. You know, Paul DeYoung, it's hard to imagine Paul DeYoung not being on there, right? He's, he's out of options completely. Um, he's getting $9 million. Um, we've heard a lot about this, you know, change in the swing. Um, are you are you buying it at least an improvement? I mean, it's hard to not, but... Uh, some sort of improvement for DeYoung that he's actually a valuable part of this team? Um, let me hedge my bets as much as possible <laughs> here. Um, because I think, I think with what we saw from Tommy Edmond last year, there's no doubt that Tommy Edmond is the starting shortstop. Right. And I, I really don't think that there's, Anything that Paul DeYoung can do um, in spring and maybe even early season, barring an injury again, Mm -hmm. to displace Edmund from that role. Because, I mean, I I really, not to to turn this into an Edmund conversation, but I really think that Edmund might end up being the best defensive shortstop in in the National League this year. That wouldn't surprise me. So um, that that alone is going to make it hard for Edmund to, to get out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. But if, if so, so if you just temper your expect, expectations down from you want him to be an all-star shortstop, well, maybe that's what we were thinking two or three years ago. Okay, that's not impossible. Okay, we just want him to be a starting shortstop. Well, no, we already got one of those. So then you're like, okay, we need Paul DeYoung to be a contributing backup shortstop. Could he do that? And my answer to that is yes. And I think because our expectations of what a backup shortstop is, um, they're, they're pretty low. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you got to hit a little bit like Edmondo Sosa. And if you can field a little bit, you know, you're probably going to probably going to make it. You know, we had Miguel Cairo as a backup shortstop for a while. And, you know, Greg Garcia, who could walk anywhere he wanted to walk, but couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag, you know. <laughs> so uh, a lot of there's just, you know, not much there, and so that leads me to say that there's there's enough for him to be able to reach that. I, I look at his 2021 and 20, uh, 2020 season. Now, 2020, he had COVID, so I made some excuses for him, and I think that did sap some power. But then you look at 2021, 402 at-bats and 85 weighted runs created plus, WRC plus, um, but you know a batting average under 200 if you want a traditional stat. Uh, slugging percentage under 400, you know, mm-hmm. this has kind of been building for a while. And if he, if, you know, I'd like to see more batting average than that, but if he can at least come back with that kind of power and something like an 85 WRC plus a little bit below average, but probably right in the realm of average for backup shortstops, you know, that would be okay. I'd, I'd take that. Yeah. I, I do wonder 
of course, you wonder this with anybody, but especially a guy like DeYoung, who has been a regular and who is now trying to figure out a new swing. Yeah. Um, you know, is playing, is 10 of bats a week, or if that's what he gets, you know, is that enough for him to maintain whatever changes he's doing? You know what I'm saying? You, no. you know, is he going to be able to get, I mean, he's going to have plenty of time with Edmund going on out in the in World Baseball Classic. He's going to get enough yeah. in the spring. But that's true. That's a good that. point. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the answer is no. Because DeYoung, well, I mean, honestly, the more time you give, <laughs> you've given DeYoung, mm. the worse he's gotten yeah. uh, the last couple of years. But um, no, I, I just, I mean, it's really hard for anyone to to get any kind of rhythm offensively for you know, that kind of limited bats. And I think it's particularly hard for guys who have such weak contact ability because you can kind of like someone like Brendan Donovan might go a month without a home run, but he's not going to go that long without walking, without getting some hits, without slapping the ball to the other field and, you know, getting on, being out, beating out a ground ball, lots of different ways for him to get on. And, you know, Paul DeYoung could spend a week and a half hitting fly balls before one left the park and just feel like in a, a rut. And and everyone would be chirping about it too. Um, I just don't think he has the kind of swing that's really conducive to short, you know, plate appearances. Unless you're just looking for a guy who could occasionally go up and walk into one from a from a backup middle infield position. I mean, that's that's a rare talent, um, and it is a way to put some runs on the board every now and then. I guess. Yeah. Again, trying to be as optimistic as possible on how he can contribute. Yeah, you know, he is, of course, again with the DH we haven't seen, I think we've seen less pinch hitting. Um, Although Marmol did play a lot of, of, you know, platoon advantage types things in games, but he might get some chances there. I, I do. I mean, but it's just, and you mentioned that, I mean, what's his platoon advantage, like looking at his career stats, you know, he's got reverse splits. Yeah. So, um, you know, do you really want him in there against lefties? Well, not based on his career. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you've got Edmund. Well, Edmund is better against yeah. lefties as a righty. So I just don't really know what Paul DeYoung is going to bring to this team other than a, a glove. You know, he can, right. he can field the ball and that's, you know, we don't have anyone else. So, you know, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest thing as, as you know, Mason Wynn's not going to take his job. So, no. um, and there's not anybody, I mean, Jose uh, Fermin, I think, something like that that they yeah, brought in. Uh, they've got him at AAA. Yeah. You know, if you needed a backup, yeah, I guess I could maybe do. I do think Paul Young breaks the streak that I think is very fascinating is that he's dropped his OPS plus every year he's been in the majors. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've written it, about that a couple It was a 53 too. last year. I, I got to feel like it can't get lower than that. It, it can't, but it, but it has every year, you yeah. know, I mean, and that's the other thing I come back to. I love, I love Paul DeYoung. So I hate talking about him this way, but it also, I'm, you know, you found this out last year when I was talking about pools and, and others, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the truth about these things, the, the way it actually is. And Paul DeYoung is his best season was his first one. Right. And it is also one of his shortest ones, only 443 plate appearance. And, and basically ever since then, you know, the plate appearances has changed. The defense has improved. His walkability has gotten better. But basically it's just been down, 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 down until he, until he tanked. And, you know, I mean, can you come, 
can you come back from that? Well, probably not to where you were at the beginning and maybe where you were towards the end. But at that point, it's, is it really worth, you know, keeping around? Well, it is when you got, you know, $10 million salary, right? I guess. And, um, no one there to, you know, back him up or, or take a spot. So I do find it odd that, that Mosellock has pretty consistently said that Paul DeYoung will get a chance in spring training, but he's not a lock for the roster, but yet they didn't bring any competition in for him yeah. and for his spot. So sounds to me like he's a lock for the roster, but uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's motivation or, or, or something of that nature. And, yeah. you know, hopefully these, these changes, which do seem to be significant. I mean, he does seem to have made some significant hitting changes will pan out. Um, I, it's, it's very interesting to see how this goes. I mean, yeah. you know, because he has no contract for next year and you know, the farther they go into the season, the less money they have to eat to get, you know, if they have to let him go. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see where Paul DeYoung plays next year. If he plays next year. Um, yeah. So can I, I ask you, can I qu- can I ask you a question? You're a history guy. When who who is a player? I mean, every year we hear about these tweaks, these changes. You had a bad year last year. This is the way the narrative goes. You had a bad mm-hmm. year last year, so sometime around February, you know, January, uh, you talk to Jim Hayes, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Or, or whoever it is, and you hear about these changes that you've made to your stance, your kick, your wind up, your arm slot, your arm, whatever it is, right, you know, right. different things, and that's going to make the difference, you know, next year. It seems like we've heard that same story so many times over the years, and and besides maybe Carpenter. But but I don't even mean Carpenter here because we heard that several years in a row with Matt Carpenter as a mm-hmm. Cardinal. It wasn't until Matt Carpenter went to the Yankees that it actually became true. Can you think of any example? And this is a literal question. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking no, I, you I, I, because, yeah, I'm not being sarcastic here. Can you think of any examples where that actually played out the way that we hoped, where there wasn't a, some of the sort of statistical you know explanation for what was going on? I mean, off the top of my head, no. Um uh, really, I mean, there's been guys that have like had a good month or had a good whatever, right. but usually the stats kind of went out in the end. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know. Of course, I don't watch them sometimes. I mean, players do tend to change things. I mean, you could maybe. I mean, it wasn't a really big focus of things, and it's not a huge thing. But you know, there was a lot of talk about Paul Goldschmidt's bat last winter or, or in the oh, off season yeah. last year, right? And yeah. You know the, the the hockey puck bat, and of course in that in the who was using it, all that, and it did pan out. Now, yeah, it's also a very talented person, and it didn't right. Someone know, that was already play. playing at his peak right. uh, just just you know blew up again. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, that's although, not a bad example. I mean there there's a there's an indication of something that changed that we heard about that actually did. We think. I mean, I don't know whether we can attribute it all of the bat certainly didn't hurt you know no we did see it in the stats yeah and it feels like everybody i mean because nolan used it in i don't remember who else had that maybe did tyler neil go to it eventually i don't remember but it seemed like most anybody that used it it worked for them yeah. now again it's did new bar go to it or did he go uh, yeah i think maybe new mm, yeah yeah I think he may have along with because uh, I know Brendan Donovan, stuff. but I think Brendan Donovan did during this off season. So I think, I think Donovan will be using it next 
next season or this coming season if you know if it if you liked it or whatever. I know right. he was there getting um, one. So, so you know, but yeah, I, th- I think that's you know it is one of those things in the winter where people tinker with stuff, and you know we have to talk about something in the winter, so we talk about these best shape of their life type stories, and right. and sometimes I think I think a lot of these kinds, like even with Paul DeYoung, we see. You know, Derek Gould wrote the article um, last week, I think, or maybe earlier this week, and it had, you know, it had video. It had showed significant change, right? I mean, it's not just a, oh, he's doing this or that differently. I mean, you could actually see it, but it's not been, I mean, you could feel really good about it in batting practice and hitting in a cage, but, you know, when you start to see a, 95 mile per hour fastball followed by a 75 mile per hour, you know, slider, you know, yeah. is it going to work there? And that's right. what we don't know until they get into the real game action. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is just me, but I, I don't really, I don't really care, you know, what he, what his leg kick is or what mm-hmm. I, it, you know, the timing I think does matter, but you know, I'd want to see the results of some of those balls, right? You know, like is he is he consistently hitting the ball harder than he was? Well, that would be great. You know, is he is he making better? Because what he needs to do, leg kick or not, is he's got to make more contact and he's got to make more hard contact. He can't just be you know a, a fly ball with a a certain home run percentage, because it's just not it's not going to carry him through. You've got to be able to do something more, and. You know, I just don't see what changing a few things mechanically about your stance and your triggers are going to lead you to strike out less and hit fewer fly balls, more line drives. I I don't know. Yeah. I just that's just always been what he is. You're talking yeah. about a massive change in in the very character of a batter, and I you never see you just never see guys make that kind of dramatic change in who they are. Yeah. I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, it's possible that, you know, he could see the ball a little bit better and, you know, maybe be able to adjust a little bit better. Yeah. But, you know, there's also a very good chance that, you know, no matter what he does, he's going to strike out a whole, you know, if he had a full season a hundred plus times, um, it's just, you know, is he going to do something more than ground out to second base when he does make contact? And I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Um, it, It is good that the Cardinals aren't expecting that out of him. Right. I think this is yeah. probably the first year they haven't expected, you know, him to at least be a 20 year home run home guy. They're, they're just like, if Paul Young gives us anything, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. In some ways that's a, that's a positive development. Uh, it, it's kind of happened. How, you know, I'm going to give, let me give them credit here. It's not like they, it's not like they're just sort of, Whoa, Oh good. We got lucky that Tommy Edmonds is so good, you know, but, but it, it really helps that they got perhaps unexpected production out of uh, Brendan Donovan and that Tommy Edmond can actually play shortstop at such a high level because mm-hmm. those weren't necessarily things that they were maybe expecting even as recently as the middle of last season. Right. Um, normally, you know, Nolan Gorman too. I, I think they kind of hoped he might be able to make a transition to second base. I still don't know whether they know that he can yet. But it gives them options, and that that might can kind of help them feel like they could mess around a little bit with Paul DeYoung instead of just saying, "Well, it's on your shoulders because we're paying you ten million dollars." If if Edmund had not shown that he could play shortstop, which 
I mean, that's a big if because I think we all kind of figured he could. He had played it coming up, but assuming, assuming he couldn't. Yeah. And DeYoung does what DeYoung does. Do you think, I mean, still, they still probably aren't in on the shortstops last year. Um, do you think they're more likely to be in on one of them, would have been on one of them this past year? Maybe even if it is something like a, a Swanson, um, just because there's not an obvious person to play short? Yeah, I, I think I think there's a chance that that would have been the case. Um, I think Swans, uh, yeah, Dansby, I want to say Swansby, <laughs> my English no good today. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been a possibility for him because he also kind of represents, it's a lot like Paul DeYoung, actually, mm. except he's extraordinarily good fielder and probably a little better as a contact bat, but mostly a home run guy. But I think we kind of, I think some of those rumors that we heard when, uh, when the Murphy... Mm-hmm. Sean Murphy, uh, the catcher situation, and Wilson Contreras things hadn't quite gone down yet. And you heard those very brief rumors about the Cardinals were in on someone like Swanson. I, I think that might have been an indication of what could have happened because I think when they were looking at the possibility of having to trade Brendan Donovan, that's when they started talking to shortstops, and that's the guy they turned to. So it's a fair indication that a, a whole lot of other things would have been different, that he might have been – you know, the cheaper option that they might've looked at. I don't think they ever would have been in on Trey Turner or well, maybe Carlos Correa, considering how everything went, they might've circled back around to him, but you know, I think they would have played at the middle of the market or below. Yeah. And Correa, I think they would have probably, I think they would have probably deemed that too risky after. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so let's just wrap this up offensive side of the roster up is there anybody that is you know kind of basically being projected to play on that roster that you think might not make it uh, or might you know might might wind up with a you know just being bumped down to memphis oh well okay so let's let's say that being bumped down to memphis i'll give you two or three guys all right so, um, and, and part of it is that, you know, not all of these guys can make it. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I think you could, you could see Juan Yepes, Alec Burleson, um, Nolan Gorman, and maybe even Brendan Donovan, but I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, there's no way Donovan goes down. Yeah. Those three. Um, cause Donovan can play so many positions that his bat won't matter. Right. Um, yeah. Yepes, Burles and Gorman, any one of those three could have a really good spring and still find their way to Memphis. Yeah. I have a feeling if I was to pick one, it would be Gorman. Um, <clears throat> if they're, if they want to, you know, we've talked, you know, we talked forever about Tommy Edmund being this Jack of all trades and then he wound up being locked in the second pace for quite some time. Um, I, and, you know, I think you could see that with Donovan too, right? I mean, that he could, mm-hmm. in theory, be the main second baseman. Um, yeah. And Gorman could go play at Memphis. Now, I don't know that they will do that. And I think even with a reasonable spring, Gorman probably makes the team. Um, yeah. But. It, it I, does kind of boil down to Gorman versus Burleson in one regard. Like, yeah. they're both lefties. They're both 
power hitters, although I might argue that a little bit with Burleson, mm. um, but it's it's neither here nor there, really. Right. You know, they kind of play the same role. Gorman, you're kind of looking more as a second base, you know, corner infield backup guy competing for time. And Burleson, you kind of view him as a first base DH, you know, outfield kind of guy competing for time. But, you know, they're they're a little bit redundant and probably only – well, do I have in my final thing? Do I have both of them making it? Let me just do a little count here. You probably do. I, I, I didn't. I looked. I'm, I've got Katie Wu's roster pull up, and yeah, you know she's got both of those guys. Yeah, I do. I've got both of them. Yeah, so I guess there's room for all, all of those guys, yeah. and no one pushing them really. You know, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Moses. I, could, but, you know, someone like Moises Gomez mm-hmm. could push, um, but you know, the easier path with him is just to send him down. So. Yeah, because he didn't he didn't play much AAA last year, did he? Am I, am I... Um, maybe a third to a half a season. Okay, so he said something. Yeah, I, I mean, in theory, a strong spring and a weak spring by Yepes or Burleson, maybe they switch places. But it's one of those. I just don't. Yeah, I don't think they have real high regard for. I mean, not that not that Gomez is bad, but or anything. But you know, it's, it's he's it's kind of like um, you know. Garcia, Adolis Garcia back mm-hmm. in the in the day, you know, that oh cool, great, you know, awesome, useful player, but we don't see you as a starter full time. So we're not gonna we're not gonna prioritize you over Nolan Gorman or, or right. Alec Burleson, you know. Right. So Yeah, I think and I think that I mean Gomez is probably the guy that you know writes the shuttle a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe Burleson does if you know, or whoever, you know, if somebody's struggling, they go down for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, go best comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might have to play with the pitching staff a little bit too. Sometimes that right. can bleed into the offense. Do you still got to have 13 and 13 the way the roster construction is, but still, I mean, sometimes that can bleed, bleed itself over. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's shift over to the, the, the pitching side. I think the rotation's yeah. pretty, pretty set, right? I mean, oh, very much so, yeah. you know, without, you know, barring injury or anything like that. We know the five starters. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't see that. I don't see the Cardinals ever going to, they definitely don't have, I don't, I mean, they got the arms to technically go to a six man, but there's nobody that is forcing them to go to a six man. Yeah. Yeah. So. Less likely than a six man, I think is some sort of like uh, piggy Mac kind of, they would never call it that. I don't know why right. they're they never call it that they, they <laughs> did it for most of last year. Um, but yeah, where they have these other starters, either openers or, or followers, uh, you know, yeah. where they, you know, maybe someone like Steven Matz, or I would argue maybe this year with Jack Flaherty, who needs to build up his innings and you still want him good to go for September and October. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he's limited and you par, you pair him up with someone like Thompson or, you know, Payante or Hudson. Right. So. Okay. Well, I think the bullpen as bullpens are is the place that's got the most volatility or possibilities for people to pick out different names. I guess that's what I'll say. Um, Let me, let me read the names that Katie has down on hers. Uh, Cabrera, Gallegos, Helsley, Hicks, Hudson, Palante, Stratton, Verhagen. Um, if you're if if you're looking at those names, who are you? Who do you think is she's right on? Who do you think she's wrong on? Um, 
What's the Wilking Rodriguez? Okay, I got yeah. it. It came to me. Is he the is he the real five guy? Yeah. Yep. Aren't they both on the roster? Him and uh, boy, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Z- uh, Zanga. Uh, Zuniga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'm butchering Puelamo. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible with names too. So uh, we apologize to obviously Mr. Zuniga, who is I'm sure listening. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get it right by the end of the year. Uh, yeah, both of those are on the on the forty man, and of course, you know, Rodriguez has to be on the forty man, on the 25, 26 man, or yeah. has to be offered back to the Yankees. Right, um, but so they think, could send Zuniga down. I think they, right. I think they can. Yeah, let me pull yeah. this. I'm look, let me look over here. But I'm pretty sure they he's got options. Um. He must because this website doesn't even have him projected in the bullpen. So let me go down here, and yeah, he still got actually he still has three options. Um, okay, and has no major league service time yet. So um, yeah, okay, so yeah, okay. So we derailed that one, and <laughs> and I've got a terrible memory. Who does Katie have? Okay, uh, well let's just take them one by one. Okay, let's do it that way. And I think the the first one that really stuck out to me is Genesis Cabrera. Um, I'm I'm just not, I mean, maybe it's a good spring or whatever. And again, we factor in all the caveats there. But part of me just feels like he was so bad at the end of the last year that they, I, I don't know that he's that lock that he normally would be. He's got his work cut out for him because um, Packy Naughton was, was pretty good last year. Mm-hmm. And very versatile, which actually might be a good reason for him to, you know, to kind of stay sort of stretched out, you know, in in AAA. Um, and then there's Jojo Romero, who, um, you know, also at times was pretty good. So, yeah, Cabrera's got some real competition. Yeah, I, I mean, be it'll be interesting. Again, it's we've heard a lot about what Dusty Blake is bringing to the table and, you know, yeah. there may be something that he figured out about Cabrera and, and hopefully so, because when Cabrera's on, he's, he's really, really good. Um, but that's my guess. Okay. Uh, next is Gallegos. I don't think there's the only question about Gallegos is how he's going to deal with a pitch clock. Yeah. Which I, that should be fine. I, I think, yeah, it should be, but I do wonder one, especially with a reliever, but two, I mean, you know, you're changing how you've approached, how you've approached and been successful for X number of years. Um, yeah. Plus the fact that, I mean, for me, I, I mean, Gallegos, they signed the contract. I was almost to that, you know, is he a tradable candidate? I was a little bit surprised that they went with the extension on him and the track record of extending relievers like that is not been great for the Cardinals. So I guess that works no. me as well. Yeah, it hasn't been great, but I, I will say that, um, that Gallegos might be the most consistent reliever that they've had in mm. years. I mean, yeah. he just, he's been so consistent that I, I, I don't really, I'm not a big fan. I kind of have the Ben Godar, uh, <laughs> Cardinals off the <laughs> approach to relievers, you know, yeah. cut them all, just change them all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, Gallegos is one that if you're going to give an extension to anyone, you know, he's been healthy, he's been consistent, you know, his stuff isn't overly reliant on velocity. So, 
Um, and he's just always had really good control. So you don't worry about that, you know, kind of disappearing. So I, yeah, it's, he's as good a choice as any to give an extension yeah. to. And that's fair. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I, I tend to remember this, this, you know, cause he tends to occasionally go through spells where things yeah. go bad. And I guess that probably sticks in my head more than it should. I think um, it does. I think that's the nature of relievers. And I've yeah. heard that a lot and kind of, I wouldn't say battled against it a lot for Gallego's sake, but you know, in the end, the stats have always been there four years yeah. in a row of just basically the same, the same stuff. I mean, with yeah. minor differences and you just don't see that very often, to be honest. Well, you definitely don't relief, you know, relievers have about two good years. It seems like, so if you they do, yeah. That, you're Speaking of that, I'd be, I'd be kind of, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'd be a little nervous about Helsley this year. Oh, just that's because, our next guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely going to make the team. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but um, you know, I mean, that's what you're just talking about, the volatility in, in relievers. You know, if he he only walked three and a half per nine last year, which is great. I mean, it's incredible, right? Mm-hmm. But you could see that bumping up four, four and a half and his K rate dropping a little bit if someone's velocity is not quite there like it was last year. And, and, um, you know, he's still a really good reliever, um, but maybe not the dominant force, best reliever we've seen in a, you know twenty years, kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, arguably how, the best reliever ever, to be honest. So, how do you think the the lighting display, the you know, going all dark and red and all that kind of stuff? How does that play if Helsley isn't? the closer that he was last year. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> you know, and you know, yeah. do you ever stop doing it? And then yeah. and if so, what does that say to, I mean, it just seems a little bit, you know, like once you get commit to this, yeah, it, it opens I'll, some worms. I'll put it with this way, Daniel. Let's hope that they, that, let's hope that all that was, <laughs> was a good decision because otherwise it's going to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think it fits. Like I, I'm glad the Cardinals are finally doing something to really, really you know change fan experience and really promote yeah what was a truly incredible season by a truly dominant player i mean he was just incredible he 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 deserved that kind of attention and and from his movement all the peripherals all that stuff there's really no reason to think that he's not going to be incredible next season too it's just sometimes players aren't so yeah yeah i mean a guy that's dominant for one year when we talked about it i mean if you can be a closer that can be dominant for like five years, you're probably on the track for Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. So uh, it just doesn't happen. Next guy is Jordan Hicks. Um, how crazy is it that Jordan Hicks will be a free agent at the end of this year? Yeah, that's a little crazy. I mean, it's it just doesn't crazy. seem like it's been. I mean, granted, he missed, you know, 2020 and all 29. I mean, he's missed some time yeah. in that period, but it just doesn't seem like it's been. You know, we're going into what six seasons uh, of Jordan Hicks on this on this team. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so much that never was with Hicks. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we've got another another go round with him here. Um, yeah, I mean, boy, we just I think I think when Hicks came up, we had such high expectations for him. I was always a little annoyed that he never really got a chance to be a starter. Yeah. And then the one time that they do, they didn't in any way <laughs> let him prepare for the role. So that was last year, of course, yeah. when he was like, hey, why don't you start games? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm ready for that. <laughs> but that was that was the 2021 season so what, yeah. or 2022 season. What can you say about it? But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, to your original question, he'll make the club. It's a real critical season for him. 
mm-hmm. um, to see whether he can reestablish himself as a as a closer. He probably won't get a shot at the closer's role, but if you could show enough um, this year to where he could earn a closer's contract in the offseason, you know, that could set him up. And, and that would be the best thing you would hope for him. You know, uh, I hate to say it this way. I hope this comes out the way that I mean it, but it's almost like you hope he's not back because the Cardinals don't pay relievers, right? Right. And if he's not back, it it hopefully would be because the Cardinals don't feel like they can afford him because he's getting a, a huge contract from, I don't even know, I hate to say the Dodgers, right? But right, right. for some other team to be their closer. And, and that would be, that's the kind of outcome I'd love to see for Hicks. Obviously, I'd want him to remain a Cardinal if he's that good and would love for the Cardinals to, to re-sign him. But with his injury history and all that stuff, it would be, it'd be a risky place for them mm-hmm. to invest payroll with one fifth of their starting rotation under contract. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to be rooting the heck out of, you know, Jordan Hicks this season. And I I hope he has a great season. Yeah. And if I think for me, it's always been about, you know, if he, if he doesn't want people, he's fine. Right. Yeah. Well, Um, yeah. Right. But that's, you know, maybe again, Blake can figure out a way to to get it. Cause if he can, you know, even just cut his walks some and keep the strikeouts, I think you get a lot better results. Um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, if he if he looks like Jordan Hicks, then you're right. He's he's going to get a payday somewhere because you you just don't pay for that kind of guy to be your seventh or anything. You got you know that just yeah. don't pay that kind of money. So, yeah. well, some other team is going to do exactly what you did and be like, okay, we think we can teach this guy to control the ball a little bit better. Right. You know. He's so close. Maybe if we just did this or this, someone will take a chance on that. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Dakota Hudson. Um, personally, I'm thinking he's probably a guy you send out to Memphis, right? Um, surprisingly, I'm pretty sure he has still like three options left. So yeah. Um, did did Katie leave um, him on her bullpen? Yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading her bullpen list. Yeah. So she had him in so, the bullpen. So Jeff, uh, also Jeff Jones, also I, I kind of talked to Jeff Jones before I did my roster, my last roster article, which was all the way back in December, and and Jones also thought that Hudson would be in the bullpen. So that's two beat writers who, who yeah. are really good at knowing stuff. But I I think in Jeff's case, he was you know using educated speculation and not not actual information. Um, that he had heard, especially not in December. So mm-hmm. um, based on that, I've got Hudson on, but I kind of like you, I'd prefer to see Hudson stretched out in, in Memphis there as the number six starter. So I could go either way on that one. I just, I don't see, and I said this last year, some too, I really don't see what Dakota Hudson brings to the bullpen. I mean, if you're going to start him, Okay, I'm not. Of course, I'm not a big Dakota Hudson fan. Let's put it that way. But yeah, if you're going right. to start him, okay, that makes sense. If he can give you five, six innings, I mean, he definitely can do that at times. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't strike anybody out. So what's the bullpen? You know, you're bringing him into probably a clean inning, which means what? Maybe the sixth or seventh. And if you're winning, you're then you're going to turn it over to Gallegos and Helsley pretty quickly. And you've got yeah. guys, you know. Palante, um, you know, Zach Thompson pitched like that last year. Um, even Stratton can do a couple of innings. I think you've got better options for that than to go to Hudson. So if he's not starting him, I don't know that he works in the bullpen for me. Would you rather have, um, would you rather have 
Stratton or Hudson and their stuff in, in your bullpen for the sixth inning? Uh, I kind of feel like Stratton, but you know, maybe that's maybe that's recency bias, not having watched him very much. And he did all right for the Cardinals last year. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's where I would lean, but again, that may be just my bias. Yeah. I think that, I think that's one of those cases where I feel like Dakota, Dakota Hudson has much better stuff, but you know, Stratton's probably made better use of the stuff that he has. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I can kind of go either way on that either, but I think that's the kind of question we're asking is that in this middle relief, long relief role, you know, um, yeah. Do you want ground outs or do you want potential strikeouts? Because uh, looking back at, you know, looking back in 2018, I, I think I remembered that Dakota Hudson was pretty good out of the bullpen, his first go round. Mm-hmm. And he was two, six, three ERA. But you look at his K rate, and you look at his walk rate, <laughs> and, and uh, it was ugly. It was ugly, uh, and I wouldn't trust that uh, again if he duplicated that. But he's also been, he's also you know hadn't had that kind of walk rate for a long time. It's been quite a bit better in that sense. But his Ks have been dropping too. So yeah. even if that you know that sinker that he has plays up in velocity a little bit, I don't know how he's missing bats. Yeah, I mean K for nine last year is five, five. Um, yeah, and it's five miserable, almost four. So yeah. and that's Jake um, Westbrook territory is what yeah. you're into. Yeah. And Stratton combined with the Cardinals and pirates was eight and a half of strikeouts per nine. Yeah. Uh, and 3.6 walks His walks are about the same, but it's strikeouts for more. And again, especially, I mean, we don't know how this is going to plan out, but you know, the shift is at least modified this year. Right. I mean, it's limited. Yeah. It's not the same. And that makes me concerned for, people that are ground ball pitchers especially um, if no one gorman gets you know quite a bit of time right yeah. yeah yeah that's that's fair too so i'm sending hudson to memphis stretch him out let him be your sixth starter i'm not exactly excited about that but you know yeah. uh that's i think i think you can i've always felt like you can work around walks as a starter more than you can as a reliever mm, yeah um, because, I don't know that I agree, but I know I understand the feeling. You yeah. know, it I mean, seems well, like those walks matter more in the seventh right. inning than they do in the third. <laughs> well, if you give up, if you yeah, if you give up a run in the second inning because of a walk and a couple of hits, then you've got you know seven innings to come back. You know, whereas if yeah, yeah. if you do it in the seventh or eighth inning, then you may not have that opportunity. So yeah. So um, Katie's got her in. Jeff has him in. You've got him out. I'm gonna what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to December and I'm going to trade Dakota Hudson uh, in the deal <laughs> for somebody <laughs> because that's what I thought they should have done well, to yeah. him is, is give him a chance to start somewhere. That's what yeah. I would have done. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I will, I would definitely join that, uh, that bandwagon. If, if that yeah. Happens, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, uh, Palante. Um, I don't, I don't see any problem with Palante. I, like I said, I, I think that, you need a guy that can cover two or three innings yeah. out the bullpen. I don't know how many yeah. of these guys you need because looking at this roster, we may have more than they need, but Palante's a guy, I, I liked what we saw out of him last year. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And, and I don't really have a whole lot of a issue if they wanted to keep, just to kind of scoot forward a little bit here, you know, Thompson and Hudson and Palante and even Hicks, if they kept them around and used them, 
maybe not as openers, but use them in the fifth, sixth innings, fourth inning, maybe with some of these guys who can't go deep, like Steven Matz, like Jack Flaherty. I honestly wouldn't push Wainwright too hard either. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to get him out of games. Right. Um, but, you know, you've got you've got guys who who need to get their innings count up if you want to have a chance to rely on them as a starter next year, uh, 2024. So, yeah, make sure that Zach Thompson and Polante get, you know, instead of 50 innings, make sure they get 75 to 100 innings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, keep them all, use them all, but you got to use them. Yeah. And that's, that's always been the kicker. We'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and I will say that, that uh, Marmol did better than Schilt at that, mm-hmm. but still didn't get the innings totals up there for those guys as much as I would have liked. Yeah. And there were still some, like there were times, I'm not a big Jake Woodford fan either, but there were times where why is he hasn't, he not pitched in like yeah. three weeks or something like that. So there were still right. a few, little bit of that, but not, not to the level of Schilt and definitely not to the level of Mike Matheny. No. Um, <laughs> right. So. Right. Um, Chris Stratton and Drew Verhagen were the last two guys that Katie has on her list of making it in. Yeah. Um, I've got Verhagen out uh, in December. I did. Um, And I don't know who I would cut. I guess it would come down to Hudson, but then you've got the real five guy and you've got Zaninga too. Plus some of the other guys are, I really like like Jake Walsh and, and Freddie, you know, Pacheco and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have Woodford on, you know, I think that, I think Libertor could push for the bullpen this year. This depends on who, you know, who kind of, they got to keep several guys in triple a, yeah. but you know, there's some, there's some definite flexibility there at the end of that, that thing. I, I Verhagen's going to have to pitch really well this spring. I think to, to fend off some of these really high quality arms that are, are pushing for a roster spot and his salary will help him, but at the end of the day, he's got to perform. And basically so far he hasn't. Yeah. I don't, I feel like, I mean, he has no options, so it's either yeah. pitching or cutting. Yeah. And, and they're think, not likely to cut him. Right. Uh, you know, at, at, with the WBC and other things going on, like I don't see that they're going to cut him. but if they really like that rule five guy, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to have to do something with somebody and, right. and they're not going to send out Zach Thompson, you know, to keep Verhagen if Zach Thompson is their best lefty, you know? Yeah. But, so. you know, but Katie has him on the just miss list. I mean, Katie doesn't have him in that group. Uh, yeah. Well, I, Zach Thompson also was their best lefty last right. year. So right. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, but yeah. I, I think that's, that's where you get into. And I think there are a lot of times where fans don't, you know, they get upset, but right. <laughs> Contracts matter, right? I mean, they do. They you do. Know, they're, it's like, Especially why aren't April. you cutting? Yeah, why aren't you cutting X player? Why aren't you cutting Varhagen to get Zach Thompson in there? Because Zach Thompson's better. Well, yeah, he, he may be better, but you got to see, you got to at least see if you can get something out of Verhagen. And, and, you know, that's, that's also the situation because we, we talked about it, it with Mo at the uh, Blogger Day last year, right? Um, yeah. The idea of TJ McFarlane. And, you know, he, he I asked the question and Mo kind of went off on, on some things um, about, yeah. you know, not cutting yeah. him, not cutting him and you can't walk it. And then, you know what, two weeks later they get rid of him. Um, yeah. And, yeah. but you know, you can, the same thing can be said about Corey Dickerson. We're like, well, right. you know what, this guy is worthless. He's worthless. Cut him, cut him. And then he has, well, it's like, honestly, like a good two days, but, it, but right. you spread it out over a, over a month and it still look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those 10 hits in a row really, really, really helped a lot. Yeah, it took a long that. time for those to trickle out of the stats. <laughs> um, and there is something to be said for, 
clubhouse chemistry, makeup, you know, having some veteran guys. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that Verhagen fits in that mold to, too much because he's no, but I do think that they're probably very interested. You know, we heard what he was saying at winter warm up about, you know, the different pitch styles and stuff like that. Again, it's best shape of your life stuff, but yeah, you know, if it works and you know, again, that's Dusty Blake's influence there. If that yeah. works and if Verhagen's healthy, you know, I feel like we see a better Verhagen this year. Whether that's good enough, that still remains yeah. to see. I liked him. Like, I, I kept, I don't know how many times I posted on Twitter and wrote about it a little bit because I'm not afraid to make a fool of myself <laughs> that, you know, that I, this this should work. Like, this guy should be getting out. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, not going to be a, a dominant starter. It's not, you know, Chris Carpenter reincarnated or anything. But, right. but you know, look, looking at his curveball and his fastball location, you know, it, it should work. And yet he was kind of getting hit all over the place. I kind of not to you know, not to tweak that conversation a little bit, but same thing with Libertor. Like, yeah, there's there's problems with his fastball. You can see that, but he also shouldn't have been getting hit as hard as he got hit. There's worse pitchers that you see that don't get hit that hard that consistently. And sometimes things just kind of have to even out. And I kind of wonder if Verhagen doesn't do a little good luck for you know a couple of weeks yeah. because he really wasn't that bad. Um, even though every stat we have points to it being pretty terrible. Yeah, you know, baseball does tend to regress one way or another. So, yeah. you know, maybe it's, it's time for that. All right. Well, I think looking at it, I would send Hudson down. I would send Cabrera down. And that frees up spots for Rodriguez and Zach Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, other than that, I don't know that you can do much, right? I mean, those are, I mean, I guess unless you decide to send Palante down just because, you know, you need somebody else or somebody else has a good spring but and and some of that might be who's who's starting in in triple a you know who do they who do they want to be their their first guy up and Mm -hmm. and because i could see them sending someone like palante or or even zach thompson down because they're like okay all right from what we saw of you this spring you're our sixth starter go keep stretched out because we think you're going to be here soon yeah so and this is i think the bullpen probably more than any place else is where either small or large injuries make this. And again, yeah. opening day roster is one thing, but the roster by the end of April probably looks significantly different. And oh yeah. Keeping third there. They're, they're just, they're, if, if somebody's good in Memphis, they're going to get a chance at St. Louis at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, by, by May 15th, they'll have used, you know, 16 or 17 guys. It's just right. the way it works. Yeah. Uh, even with the limit on, on options these days, you can still, yeah. um, you can still do quite a bit. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we've gone about our normal hour or so. And so I don't want to go too much farther, but there were a couple of points from last week that uh, I talked to Katie about them. I wanted to get a chance to talk to you about them as well. Uh, first one is, um, you know, Scott Rowland making it in the hall of fame. What were your thoughts on, on that? Oh yeah. I've been a huge supporter of Rowland's, you know, ever since I started riding at Viva Alberto's, I think he's an obvious Hall of Famer. And, you know, I think that Derek Gould did a really good job of kind of consistently pointing this out. And it and the narrative caught on a little bit this year, which maybe was lacking in years past that, you know, third base has just been dramatically underrepresented mm-hmm. in the hall. And if you're going to if you're going to hold everyone up to the standard of Brooks Robinson from the defensive side or Mike Schmidt or George Brett on the offensive side, then you're never going to you're never going to elect these guys. And so if you can't just have a really, really good historical player 
make it to the hall like like Scott Rowland, then you're you're just you know you're gonna you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna take all timers for them to get in. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a couple of years too late, and he shouldn't have had that slow burn that he had. It should have been pretty obvious from day one, but couldn't have been more excited for the guy and, and definitely deserving. And he kind of actually opens the, the conversation up for a couple other guys that are going to be very deserving throughout, throughout time too. And, and so in the long run, third base might end up being a, a strong point in the hall instead of being a weak point. I might say, I mean, you're looking at next year, probably Adrian Beltre gets in. Uh, yeah. And he should base. be, he should be a shoe. And he should, see right. Beltre should be a, a, a first ballot hall of famer, but he won't be. Hmm. You don't think so? I don't know. I you know I don't know what the baseball writers do. I mean, <laughs> fair you know. enough. Fair yeah, enough. who knows? Yeah, um, I mean, he did play for you know, well, the Dodgers, a couple other teams, and whatever. But I don't know. There's just so weird. It should be obvious, but here I am being extremely skeptical of something that's obvious. So that's fair. I mean, I I, I do think you know his statistical case is pretty strong. I mean, yeah, you're right. It should be. I, I should think be. it's. I think it's a little bit more, you know, because he has what 3000 hits and, and all that. Kind of, yeah. Some of those milestones that are okay. That checks your box. Um, yeah. We're getting into he that played for so long. That's what right. made him so such a unique player. He played for such a long time, right. but that's, that, that can't be your standard for all of, you know, no, I mean? no, 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 not at all. I think that um, I think when you do check those boxes, it makes it easier for, both all oh, yeah. the new school people to vote for him. So I think that's yeah. why. Whereas oh, yeah. when, when you have a guy like Scott Rowland, which again should have been fairly obvious, but did take a little bit more of a explain the case, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, then you get a little bit of people that necessarily won't buy into that case. Right. Although um, I thought that Rowland epitomized the old school baseball player. So why a lot of these yeah. old school writers didn't love him, that didn't make any sense to me. I mean, he was as hard nosed grind it out, play through injury, you know, as anyone. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't make sense. But yeah, between with the uh, Beltre going in, you know, and then in a few years, I mean, probably, you know, a decade from now or whatever, but when you get into that whole, you know, Manny Machado, Nolan Arnauto, yeah. you know, some of the guys we're seeing now that should be there. I mean, third base will get, get a bit of a, of a kick out of those. Yeah. Guys. Right. And I think Aaron Otto is a good example. I mean, if, if Roland doesn't make it in, he did obviously, mm-hmm. but if say he didn't, well, you know, Aaron Otto has got his work cut out for him to yeah. finish his career, you know, with stats as good as what Roland had. Now, some of the counting stats will probably be there, but you know, the gold gloves or, or in the offensive stats, I mean, he's the war, I mean, wins above replacement. He's going to have to, play really well for quite a long time just to catch Roland. Yeah. And so, yeah, if Roland doesn't make it, you're, you're questioning whether Nolan Arenado is a hall of famer. And we seem to be taking that for granted. Yeah. And I, I feel like we should, again, it's also the, you know, how defense doesn't play into this factor as yeah. much as it should. I mean, it just, I right. Mean, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. It's also interesting to me. I was seeing, it felt like the little bit that I saw and I was, I won't say it's terribly representative, but I saw a lot of people that have blowback on Roland seem to be coming from the New York area and were advocating, you know, well, Keith Hernandez should be in or oh, yeah. Don Mattingly should be in. I'm like, do you not understand the difference between third base and first base? Right. <laughs> it's, just, right. it's amazing to see. Yeah. This. 
But also, it's like, yeah, well, why don't why don't we think a little bit about putting Keith Hernandez in? You know, I mean, why why not give that a little bit of a another thought? You know, because I think I haven't looked at the stats, so I'd have to look at them more closely. So I don't mm-hmm. want to say one way or another. But you would think Hernandez would be a guy that might have a pretty good case. Now, M- Mattingly, maybe not quite so much, but. There's a lot of guys right there on the fringe that I think yeah. we could have, you know, had a longer conversation. Jim Edmonds, for you know, yeah. as an example, right? Yeah, I, I, I firmly believe that Jim Edmonds belongs in the Hall of Fame, and he was out just immediately, and that that never should have happened. No, the the five percent rule, which I think I may be completely wrong, but I feel like the only the first time I heard about it, whether it was implemented then or not, I don't know, was to basically keep Pete Rose from being written in on really ballot. I, I feel like huh. there was some idea that you had to reach 5% to carry over around the time of Pete Rose's, um, that you know, people be. writing Pete but I could be wrong because I'm old hmm. and these things blend together. Um, but yeah, Edmonds, even if you don't think Edmonds is a hall of famer, you gotta, he, he deserved a lot more discussion of that, you know, uh, five or six years on the ballot at least. Yeah. Just, um, just the way, for example, that Bobby Abreu is just kind of hanging around mm-hmm. on the ballot. I mean, Edmonds deserved at least that. Yeah. You know? And I think we see, I think it's, without looking at the stats and stuff, and just reputation and things of that nature, I think it's fairly safe to be comparative to him and, and Andrew Jones. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Andrew Jones is what? 50% or something like that? I mean, he's yeah, on he's a track where it. he's going to make it. Yeah, he's um, going to make it. Right. Yeah. And you know, Edmonds comes in at a time where the ballot's crowded and, you know, you've got a whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of Hall of Famers that were on that or or you had the steroid guys that could have been Hall of Famers, but, you know, were still taking up spots on the ballot. Just didn't, didn't seem fair. But and hopefully he'll get a shot with some of those uh, veterans committees at some point. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other thing was the, the Cardinals brought in a, um, and the Cardinals, Valley Sports, technically, um, brought in a new play-by-play. For today. <laughs> for today. Yeah, yeah for today. It's a different thing. Um, we'll see how this whole bankruptcy thing works out. But uh, Chip Carey, they, they bring him in, and, and you and I were talking before the show, and not necessarily have a whole lot to think about Chip Carey as an announcer, as a, the person that he is or what he does for the show. But the general idea of an older guy. Cause he's what he's older than me. So it's an older guy. Um, uh, what 57, 58, <laughs> you know, 10 years older than daddy Mac. Um, a guy yeah. that has at least in the past, not necessarily been, you know, totally on board with the analytics and stuff like that. You know, when you're looking at that kind of genre of broadcaster, if you will, versus maybe a younger guy, a guy that's a little bit more in tune with what we're, what the Cardinals in, in theory are doing in, you know, with, they're hitting and they're pitching and all that kind of stuff. I mean, one, does it matter which, which, which one you pick out of? And two, is it, well, let's just stick with, does it matter? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just want the guy to be interesting, you know, mm-hmm. like I, and this is just me. I don't really need, my announcer to tell me these analytical things, you know, mm. I can read a stat sheet. I can open mm. fan graphs. I'll be the first to admit that it's kind of boring, right? I mean, it just sort of is. I track payroll for the Cardinals. That's the boringest <laughs> thing that anyone could do. 
And so that's my personality, but I don't, I don't expect Andy Mack to be talking about my payroll, you know, spreadsheets on, on Valley sports or, or Jim Edmonds to be breaking it down. So as long as he's entertaining and interesting, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I, I think the thing about chip that I've seen so far is that, yeah, he can be kind of interesting. And as far as the analytics go, just don't spend all of your time talking about how bad it is and how much you don't like it. You know, yeah. if you ignore it, fine, that's okay. You can talk about batting average or whatever and pitcher wins and it's not really going to bother me that much, but don't spend your time harping with Jim Edmonds about wins above replacement and how stupid they are. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's pointless because your organization <laughs> uses those metrics and they rely on those metrics and they're making those decisions on, on those metrics. And so try to understand the game that you're, that you're calling that you're professional. And I'm sure Chip Carey will be a very professional commentator. You're a professional, do your job professionally covering the sport you're supposed to cover. That's all I ask for. Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, you know, I will say it was a little bit, you know, when they had the whole, the idea that Aaron Goldsmith was coming and you look at the Seattle yeah. fans and the fans were like, you know, happy for him to be able to go home, but they didn't want him, didn't want him gone. They really wanted to yeah. stay in Seattle. And of course he did, you know, in part because of, he felt like that was home. You look at Braves fans when Chip Carey leaves and they were driving the car um, to get him to St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I, mean, yeah. I mean, when you, I mean, you look at the, what the fan base is and no, nobody is going to come off well uh, with a whole fan base. Um, no. And especially when you're looking at social media, which is not exactly um, rife for nuance and subtlety. Um, right. But I think that's a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, you know, again, half the time when I have the game on, I have it muted anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's not because of what they're saying, just because of what else is going on or, you know, I'm not disturbing anybody else to you know, watch the game, whatever. Um, it, it's going to be different. Um, we'll see how well it works and we'll see how long it lasts. Uh, as you and I were talking with this whole bankruptcy thing and the idea that, you know, maybe the Cardinals get the rights back or maybe MLB finally uses this to get rid of blackouts and you can start streaming them through the MLB TV. I mean, if the Cardinals have, I mean, the Cardinals had say in what this right now, right? I mean, they own part of Bally. So right. Bally wasn't, did not hire Chip Carey and the, and Bill DeWitt was like, no, you can't hire that guy. And so we're going to hire him anyway. You know, they got, I don't want to say permission, but they definitely got input from the Cardinals. So it yeah, seems unlikely right. that if, even if there was some sort of changeover, he would leave. But I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And even so, I mean, again, the guy's 57, 58 years old. We're not going to see him here probably for 25 years like we did any man. Right. I, I wonder, and I don't know um, this at all, but um, Goldsmith, is he on a Bally network or is he on a different type of, He's on um, Root Sports. Okay. That's what Seattle so, has. So it's a different might, thing. Might maybe, this is total speculation, so I hate to do this on mm-hmm. your podcast, but no. might maybe have a little bit more um, job security there than he might have with Bally? I think that, I think it would not be surprising that the whole situation might have played a part. I do think most of it was he was, he's kind of made a home for himself in Seattle and he really did. Oh yeah. Him, but, but yeah, right. You know, but you're, it, yeah, you know, that, you're, that's in the, the back whole, of your head. The financial, the bankruptcy thing is going to weigh on your decision. Mm-hmm. It just is. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you just, you got to think, Hey, I don't know 
what this job looks like in two years, five years, yeah. you know, and if I'm yeah. going to take my whole family into, you know, again, a job that Goldsmith has, has said would be a very good job for him. He's from St. Louis. He, you know, it's obviously a draw or has been a draw in the past. Um, but, you know, if in three years I've uprooted myself and I have nothing to show for it, then yeah, I, I got to think that that's, Again, not not the deciding factor, but it, it went on the scale. Yeah. So, anyway, we will see. Cardinal broadcasts start at the end of this. What end of this month? Uh, I've forgotten. When yeah. The twenty fifth, maybe. Um, oh, really? Would it be that early? It might be. I I haven't looked at the schedule. I was kind of more focused a little bit on the World Baseball Classic and what that would do this, to everything. But yeah, yeah, it's coming up, coming up fast. Yeah, I, I and it's true. I mean, I don't remember when the, and you'll know when when does the WBC kick off? Do you know? Uh, before that, um, okay. I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule. I just kind of in, in my mind had we got to get the WBC going before games right. will start. That's as far as my thought went on that. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but but yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The Cardinals' first game is the is three weeks from tomorrow oh, um, oh. against the Nationals. Um, I'm not sure if that's, you know, on TV or not, but uh, I believe it may be. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, it's, that's right here, and you're right. The WCB, WBC will be in that mix too, uh, which is always fun because you're also sometimes being able to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to watch a baseball game from you know, <laughs> Japan or whatever the case. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Mm-hmm. It's always a little bit of a uniqueness to it as well. So actually they don't leave until March. The first, um, huh? I thought that was, I thought that was reversed. I guess I'm just totally wrong. Um, yeah. First, uh, USA match is, uh, as an exhibition match on March 8th. So, so they do get a couple of games, which I guess makes some sense. You know, they do want to get a chance to mesh with their team a little bit before they take off. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that at least. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed it, but that would make sense. Yeah, um, to get your first, you know, you don't necessarily want your first at bats in a situation which matter. So um, yeah, okay, which will be fun. And again, I think this with with the WBC going on on one hand, and the fact that you get to see, you know, a lot of Jordan Walker, probably some of Mason Wynn, um, Gordon Graceffo, um, other other names like that that can make an impact. Getting to see them for an extended period of time on the other. Um, this could be a real fun spring training. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. It really should be. All right. Well, Jason, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, like I said, you can find Jason over at Via Via Alberto's. Um, what are you writing? Two seasons, Saturdays. Is that right? Uh, Wednesdays and Wednesdays. Saturdays. Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh-huh. Um, and you'll find JP Hill underscore cards. So you can, um, he'll post his links when, when he's there. Um, and next week we get Kyle Reese, so be prepared. Uh, we'll talk <laughs> prospects and stuff like that with him. But until then, for Jason, I'm Daniel. Good night. And make sure I get my words right, because um, I got a decent chance of getting fined, and my wife Michelle, you know, gosh darn it, um, 